You've heard Rex Barney give that fan a contract. Now it's time to give that fan a podcast. Dive into some Orioles baseball talk with your host, Ryan Blake. to give that fan a podcast. This is episode number three. I'm your host, Ryan Blake, and my guest in this episode is former Masson social media superstar, current digital marketing manager for The Athletic, Olivia Withright. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. I'm excited. Um, so as I mentioned, you spent a long time with Masson. You were there for eight years, and uh, in 2019, you moved on to The Athletic. Uh, what has that transition like been for you, and what kind of sparked that decision for you to move on after being with Masson uh, for that for that long period of time? Yeah, well, first of all, when you phrase it that way, it makes you sound extremely old, so thank you for that. <laughs> we'll go with experienced. How about that? <laughs> exactly. I'm wise in my years. Uh, I decided to leave Masson for a lot of reasons. I had a really, really fun run there. Obviously, you know, a couple of playoff runs in there, but... Uh, I think it was just kind of time for me to take the next step in my career. And now I'm doing a lot more as far as sports on a national level and getting to work with a lot of different writers for different sports as well. Baseball will always be my number one sport and my true love, but it's nice to kind of expand my horizons there. Yeah, I definitely understand that. Now, you mentioned baseball being your true love. It's mine as well. And uh, as we record this, of course, by the time this is posted, the World Series will be complete. But uh, as we record, we're about an hour away from first pitch of game six between the Dodgers and the Rays. Dodgers lead three to two. And uh, just out of curiosity, do you have a rooting interest? Are you pulling one way or the other or just kind of hoping for some good ball? You know, I am rooting for the Rays, which probably is not the right answer considering that they're in the Aleys. But I just like the way the team is made up um, and how they're you know, a less payroll, a lot less payroll than the Dodgers and things like that. So obviously a huge Rosarena fan. How can you not be? So absolutely, I'd say for the Rays. But if anything, I was hoping for a good series, which it's been so far. So I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm kind of in a similar boat. You know, I love watching the Rays play ball. It's, it's a style of baseball we don't see very often. Small market team with contributions from guys who aren't really widely known around baseball. So uh, they're a good story, a lot of fun to watch, and I'm excited for them, you know, being competitive for you know a few years now, finally getting over the hump and with an opportunity to bring home a ring. So it's it's cool to see, despite them being in the AL East, but I'm kind of pulling for the Dodgers. Adam Kalark's a relatively close family friend of ours, uh, local guy, Catonsville guy. Um, I think Kershaw deserves a ring. It'd be nice to see Adam get one. So kind of pulling for the Dodgers, but like you said, it's been a really good series, fun baseball. I, I hope it goes seven. I'd love to see, you know, I... It's always a sad day when baseball is over. So just for that reason, I'd love to see seven games. So I'm kind of pulling for the race tonight. But, um, you know, like you said, good baseball. We, we can't ask for much more as fans. You know, at this point, I'm watching good baseball and it's competitive and they look good. So I'll, I'll take it. I'll take anything I can get at this point. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, you are an Orioles and Ravens fan. Um, you mentioned baseball is your number one true love. And I am absolutely on board with that on the same exact way. Uh 
have you always been an Orioles and Ravens fan, or was that kind of uh, a product of your environment working with Masson? Yes, I was. I grew up in Maryland. I would say I'm not a great Ravens fan. Every year <laughs> I tell myself I'm going to get more into it, and then maybe it's because of working in baseball, but by the time it rolled around, I'm like, ugh, I had to like set my fantasy lineup every week and do this. Uh, <laughs> so I am definitely an Orioles fan first. It's kind of funny because my family, they're not big sports fans at all. I kind of just picked it up like growing up watching games on TV. I don't even really know how I sort of stumbled upon it. But, you know, when you're lucky enough to kind of stumble into a hometown team that has Gary Thorne and <laughs> Jim Palmer calling in games all the time, it's a, a pretty fortunate there. So definitely grew up loving baseball and I was able to turn it into my career really young. I was uh I started at Masson when I was maybe about like 18 years old, so uh, it's been it's been fun. That is awesome. Now, uh, you were a part of uh, a couple pretty exciting celebrations when you were with Masson. Of course, the Nationals won the World Series, and you had an inside look at that, which was pretty cool. Uh, but the one I want to talk about, affectionately known uh, among Orioles fans as Clinchmas, 2014 Orioles beat the Blue Jays to win their first AL East title since 19. 19- 97. Um, let's just go back and, and relive that night a little bit. It was a fun celebration, players on the field and fans staying at the stadium for at least an hour after the game. Just a really, really exciting night. Um, you had you were doused with beer by Adam Jones. It's a great picture that you've shared a few times. Uh, just wonderful picture. And um, what were some of your, your inside experiences with that? And, and what made that night so special as an Orioles fan, and especially for you to be there firsthand. Yeah, so I am not married. I don't have any kids, so I feel pretty confidently that I can say that it was like a top five moment of my life. Um, (laughs) I remember that morning, I was so nervous, which is really silly because it was on September 16th, so there was a lot of more opportunities. They were going to win the ALE, so it was just a matter of when. But I remember being so nervous that day that it like just had to happen that day. Um, I probably jinxed it because that was back during all of the pie days still, I think. So I brought in like two um, containers of the spray whipped cream and I had it in my purse all day in case it happened. So that my coworkers and I could pie each other in the face. One of my many dumb ideas that as a boss, I was like, you have to play along or you're fired. Of course. Uh, <laughs> so um, I just like remember being just on pins and needles all day. I went over to the Masson booth where they filmed O's Extra to ask Rick Dempsey to shoot a little segment um, telling people to tune into the game. And I was shaking. My hands were shaking. And it's something I've done many times. But I just remember having such a sense of urgency on that day. And, oh my gosh, and then obviously, you know, everything that happened after that was just absolutely incredible. You were there, you said? Yeah, I was there, and I actually have an interesting story from that night. Um, You know, like you said, it was mid-September, so we kind of knew it was going to happen at some point. Uh, We had Ubaldo on the mound that night, so I was a little nervous myself going in. And it was one of those deals where, you know, like I said, we knew it was going to happen, but you want to get the party started and and start the celebration as soon as you can, and then you can kind of you know, coast your way through the rest of September into the playoffs. Um, but so I was there with, I believe it was my whole family, my mom and dad and three sisters. 
And uh, at one point in the game, I went and sat out with my buddy in the center field bleachers and, and his family. And, um, you know, we all know how the game went. The Orioles win. I'm out there. The confetti flies. Uh, I was I had tears in my eyes. I was hugging random strangers, just celebrating, watching the team, you know, dogpile on the field. It was super exciting. Um, but then, you know, at, at some point I had to make my way back over to be with my family. So, um, you know, I leave my friend. I start working my way back over. And as I'm walking through the concourse, I notice that the uh, little kiosks are starting to sell the American League East championship gear, the T-shirts and hats. So I waltz in there. There's just a box on the floor and everyone's trying to find something. And I found a shirt in my size, draped it over my shoulder and went to go stand in line to check out. Um, and as I'm standing in line, my mom called me and um, it was it was mayhem. So I was having a little bit of trouble hearing. So without thinking, I just kind of wandered out further into the concourse to try to find um, a more quiet area so that I could hear what my mom was saying. And it wasn't until I was well past where I had been that I realized uh, I still had the T-shirt draped over my shoulder. And um, I'm going get in trouble for this. But, you know, at that point, I kind of realized I don't think the Orioles are going to miss $35. And, you know, I kind of felt bad about it. But at the same time, it's it's a it's a fun story to tell. And, um, you know, I, I got my hands on that shirt and I still wear it to this day. Years of fandom paid for that T-shirt, I believe. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. I, I think I've paid my dues at this point. Were there any other moments that really stood out to you from your time at Masson, aside from, you know, that crazy night of, of Clinchmas 2014? You started there uh, as an intern. Yeah, so I and started that, that off can... doing, oh gosh, that was in like 2011, maybe. So um, one bad year, and then obviously 2012 was pretty crazy. Uh, I was in college then, though, so I wasn't around for a ton of that. I was like working remotely or not working, um, but I, I mean, obviously nothing will top clinchmas. I could talk about it for hours. Uh, just the feeling of standing in the tunnel uh, up until the last out and then rushing on the field and just seeing people so excited, like just seeing Nick Marquegas kind of stand there stoically and take it all in was incredible. I mean, Delvin Young was on the team, obviously. We all know Delvin Young was on that <laughs> Watching him celebrate, Adam run around the outfield and kind of just following them around with like a camera and my cell phone was just absolutely surreal. And then I've been in a lot of clubhouse celebrations. Uh, that one was pretty incredible. Uh, just such a such an amazing experience. Definitely my top moment at Masson. But I think like now looking back that I'm not there anymore and not uh, at a ballpark every day. That's what I sort of miss the most is okay, my office was overlooking, like, the field at Camden Yards. It's pretty hard to beat. Um, and just kind of growing my career alongside, like, a lot of these athletes who are just, you know, really great people. Um, obviously, you brought up Adam Jones earlier, and he was a big part of my career and just kind of trusting me with a lot of the stuff that we did. We did a lot of interviews with, with him and different um, – deals that we would work with him on such as we did this thing called the fan challenge where he would go head to head in a cooking battle with some fans and it just sounds kind of silly when I say it but a lot of work went into those and it was really fun to see like uh, you know bring out the human side of these professional athletes that a lot of people just see as larger than life on social media or on their tv so that's something I'm really proud of and then um 
I might be getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but I really grew up with social media. Like, uh, social media wasn't that big of a deal when I started. Uh, they let me just tweet and like with no repercussions. There's no way that would happen now as like a 18 year old kid with no experience. Um, it's it's been fun to grow with the rise of social media and really take advantage of that and that's something that I definitely cherish as part of my career. I'm really happy that I was able to enter the sports world when I did. Yeah, and from the time you started, I mean, social media really wasn't anywhere near as prominent as it is now, you know, especially in terms of, you know, being a place where a lot of people get their news and I know the the accounts especially for Madison really took off under your guidance. Um, Instagram especially and it, it would be silly to ask if it would be silly to ask why you guys decided to create Instagram considering how big it is now but um, that's something I, I noticed on your resume is that something that you know was your idea was that like a group effort or um, you know I'm, I'm sure that's something you're really proud of being able to build that from the ground up yeah uh, it didn't exist so thank you again for making me feel a hundred <laughs> was really fun for me <laughs> um, I'm sorry I didn't mean it's fine. I just need to clarify that I'm in my 20s. Uh, let it be known. Um, yeah, like I said, it, <laughs> experienced, not old. Exactly. Uh, but no, I think that being able to start an Instagram and a lot of the other initiatives that we did that might sound like even kind of silly and dumb now, like a Facebook group where people can come together and talk or uh, we had like a social media rewards program or things like that. Like we got to try a lot of different things snapchat um and i think social media is just so fun because it's just not the same thing every day there's always something new you can kind of try and implement and with baseball too you know you can have everything planned out to a t but you don't know how the games are gonna go so it it really is truly different every day and that's why i really can't see myself working in any other field because I, I just would be really restless and really bored. I'm really fortunate to have the opportunity to work at something that kind of keeps me on my toes. Yeah, and I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here in my notes. Uh, we'll backtrack, of course, but I want to stick with working in social media. Um, how hard do you think it is? I, I've had my Orioles account. I started Orioles Fan Problems in uh, around the time you started with Masson, and I've built it up to the point where now I have you know over 12,000 followers, which is, is pretty cool, but you know, most of the time I'm just kind of tweeting nonsense. You know, sometimes I get more into uh, the analytical side of things, throw out some stats, try to make some some real arguments. But for the most part, I'm just joking around. Um, but, you know, it's it's been a fun experience. And obviously you have a lot more, you know, professional experience than I do in that regard. But how hard do you feel like it is to uh, really build a brand uh, and, and start something like that from scratch and, and gain you know following that really cares what you have to say it's really hard <laughs> i think first of all your account is hilarious i love it and i <laughs> feel you. like just such a voice for so many sometimes frustrated but just overall passionate Orioles fans uh it's very very funny i enjoy it a lot um but it is hard to build a- an audience from scratch because a lot of times to be quite honest with you it's luck it has a lot to do with it if you look at a lot of like tiktokers that are really famous now who have 50 million followers overnight um and not saying that they're not smart with their platforms now but it was kind of luck when they got into it um so it's it's definitely trickier to build something up from scratch than it is to kind of inherit something successful for sure um and keep that going but i think that there's 
a ton of opportunity on social media. It might have changed since I started. When I started, everything was a lot more organic, and now you see a lot more ads, and people who pay more money get more exposure, and yada, yada, yada. But at the root of it, I still think social media is such a unique and fun platform for people to share their stories and have a sense of community with other fans that um, I, I just don't really see that like matched on a lot of other tools or platforms, I guess. That didn't really answer your question, but that's <laughs> No, you're good. I got you. Um, so at this point in your career, you know, you've graduated from running accounts that are primarily read and followed by Orioles fans to now being with The Athletic, which is a much broader scale. You know, every every sports team and, and organization has a connection to The Athletic. You know, every every league has their own page. Every account or every team has a beat writer. Um, so at, at this point, in your, with the experience that you have at this point in your career, uh, does connecting with people kind of come a little bit more naturally to you or do you still find it, you know, a challenge to really keep people engaged? Yes and no. I think, so for instance, right now, one of my primary responsibilities is running our NBA account and I'm not super like I follow the NBA I enjoy the sport a lot but I wasn't really super plugged into NBA Twitter which is just a whole nother world than baseball Twitter both great but just different as far as audiences go and obviously what they're talking about and just like the sports are very different from each other um so I think that at the root of it what I try to always keep in mind is the consumer who would be reading it so I try to just post things and create things that either like enhance someone's who is follow like enhance someone's knowledge who is following us or that can entertain them or tell a story so I think at the heart of it it's all you know storytelling and community is the point of social for me but just how I've been doing that is different and I think that this new job has just given me a lot more opportunities to kind of think a little bit larger and think a little bit more strategically like Posting from Madison was really fun, but it's a little bit on the nose. Like I was able to, like the voice was the voice that I had created for it years ago. And I'm an Orioles fan, so it was fun. Um, so I think it's been a little bit more challenging to reach a lot more people that I don't maybe like know as much about or, um, you know, like have as, as um, in depth of a connection as I do to a lot of the Orioles fans. They were really really good to me when I was with Mass and it was a lot of fun um this is definitely a new challenge and I enjoy it a lot but it's different yeah I completely understand uh, now in terms of uh your personal brand uh, you know we see a lot of a lot of your personality carry over into the social accounts that you run but on a on a personal level you're a big fan of puns and if I were if I were a betting man I mean I guess I kind of am a betting man but if I had to guess um, I would say that your most your most common mention or most common response is just Olivia in all caps. Is that, is that a fair assessment, would you say? It is fair. And you know what's kind of crazy is that it's not from like people who, it's not like one person started it and then other people started doing it. It just happens from people in all facets of my life. Like people who are like, ugh, Olivia. <laughs> they don't even know each other. <laughs> and they'll be responding the same thing in my mentions. Uh, Eric Arditi is a big one. He is a prime all Olivia uh, judger in the mentions. But you know what? I'll take it. Engagement is engagement. 
write that down. <laughs> engagement is engagement. I'm glad you said that. And, you know, if, if you're not a fan of puns, what are you doing on social media? I mean, if, if you don't like the occasional pun here and there, I mean, I, in my personal opinion, they're, they're always pretty great, always entertaining. And, and you know, you're, you're pretty clever when it comes to that. What are we even doing here? You know, sometimes, though, when I see them in the real world, aka not on Twitter, I'm like, ugh, come on, people. <laughs> then I'll make the exact same joke on Twitter, and I'm like, can someone please like this? Please retweet it. So <laughs> it's a double standard. Maybe I just like puns more on Twitter than when they're spoken aloud. Like, if you sat here and read, read back my tweets to me, I would probably log off because I would be so embarrassed. But it just fits on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. Now, let's go ahead and move on to uh, a more important issue uh, that I wanted to talk about, and that is being a woman in sports. Now, I have never experienced any of this firsthand. I don't know what it's like because I'm not a woman, uh, but it seems to me that uh, there are a lot of struggles that come with it and, and you know, things that, that are bothersome, whether it's, you know, lack of respect in general or an inability to comprehend that, you know, sports fans are sports fans. Um, so what are some of the struggles and maybe disadvantages that, that you have faced as a woman in sports? And on the other side of it, what do you think is special about being a prominent woman in sports? Yeah, well, first of all, I don't really consider myself a prominent woman in sports, but thank you. That's nice <laughs> to say. Um, I think that there's definitely been a share of challenges. Um, I'm a woman in sports and I'm also an Asian woman in sports. So it's, I think been a little challenging to be taken seriously sometimes. And I think um, a lot of times women in sports have to work double as hard to kind of get to the level that maybe other people have gotten to in the past. So it's definitely challenging and I think that one thing that has been particularly a struggle for me is that there's a lot just going on behind the scenes that, um, and I can only speak for myself maybe in this situation or people that have worked under me, but are dealing with that um, a man just doesn't have to deal with, but it's just an expected part of your day that you just have to kind of keep going with. And um, it's just a little difficult because it's not necessarily something that a man would even think about because it's just not a point of concern in their everyday life, if that makes sense. So it, it, has, it does come with a share of challenges, and I've experienced some things in uh, my job that I would not wish on anybody, but I also think that there is a really strong community of women in sports, and I'm happy to be a part of it, and I really have found a lot of that community not just in real life and in my job but on social media too and that's been like an incredible part of the job that I did not expect when I first entered the industry. Yeah you mentioned that bond and to me it almost seems like a bit of a sisterhood among women in sports you know everyone's always it seems to be lifting each other up you know I see on my timeline all the time people you know shouting out and voicing the importance of supporting women in sports and especially in recent years I've seen it with men too and that's really really encouraging. And obviously, as is the case with most things in life, we still have a long way to go in that regard. But it has to be, at the very least, uplifting to see you know support coming from all angles. And, and maybe I'm wrong when I say this, but it seems to me like the overwhelming majority of women and men in sports are 100% uh, receptive to supporting women and their ability to 
perform in any role that they're put in and they're, they're capable of doing. And, and like I said already, I, I think that's really encouraging. So where do you stand on that topic? You know, I, um, I want to make sure I, I ask this question in, a, in an appropriate way. Uh, how encouraged are you by, you know, all the support that comes about on social media uh, for these women in sports? And like I said already, we have a lot of progress still to make. But, you know, how do you feel about the progress we've made just in the last few years here? That's a good question. I think another aspect of the job that has led to areas of toughness for me is that I entered the industry really young. So it it's always been difficult for me to like sometimes be taken seriously, but I don't really necessarily always know why that is. Like, is it because I was young in the industry? Is it because I was a woman in the industry? Is it because I was Asian in the industry? I don't really know. Um, but I think as I've gotten older, I have am very confident that I've taken away a lot of life lessons that I can help pass on to people who are just getting started or who are younger than me. And I know a lot of other people feel the exact same way and have um, worked to make sure that they're putting themselves in a position to help other people succeed too. And social media has made that a lot easier. Um, just as a personal example, I moved to San Francisco for my job at The Athletic and I didn't know a lot of people, but I already had like a group of women in sports who, even though I didn't know them very well, kind of welcomed me with open arms and just made me feel a lot more comfortable. And that obviously scales to the workplace too. I think um, using social media and then personal connections too, just to kind of look out for each other has gone a long way and it's really helped my life and I hope that I have paid it forward and will continue to do so. Yeah, you mentioned moving out west and not really knowing anybody. Uh, it seems to me from following you on, on social media that uh, you became pretty close with uh, Jess Kleinschmidt, who in her own right has done some great things. She works out there for, uh, I believe it's, is it NBC San Francisco? Yeah, she's for NBC Sports. Sports. Yeah, so she yeah, just started interview with Buck Walter, so full circle there that we're talking about her. Uh, but yeah, she was one of the first people that I knew um, when I moved out there, and it's nice to have just, you know, a group of familiar faces goes a really long way. Yeah, well, Jess is someone I've followed for, for quite some time now, and, and you know, she's she's doing a wonderful job. She's really worked her way up through the ranks, and uh, you know, like I said, it's it's really nice to see people out there doing what they're doing and, and making some real headway for themselves, so that's awesome. Now, I do have a question for you just off the top of my head out of, out of pure curiosity. Uh, you know, you've, you've spent a lot of time in social media and working in sports, spent a lot of time at Masson, and now you're on a, on a much broader scale. Um, just out of curiosity, who is the most famous person in your contacts list? Not necessarily that you talk to, but whose number do you have that, that you, you view as a big deal? Hmm. Good question. They're probably all Orioles people. So I used to work with Adam Jones pretty closely. So maybe him or actually, you know what? That's not the right answer. It's Jim Palmer. Um, uh. Yeah. So we, when I went to the athletic and obviously sport shut down for however many months, we did some Q and A's with uh, famous athletes on our site. And so I reached out to him to see if he was interested in doing one. And normally people kind of type out their answers, but for him, I was industry secret typing them up while he was telling me his answers on the phone. And 
we probably talked for about 45 minutes or so. And when I hung up, I was like, holy crap. I just listened to Jim Palmer talk about the good old days for 45 minutes. And I didn't even take it in. Like, I just was like <laughs> working. And obviously, I knew him from my time at Masson and had conversations with him. But, I mean, he is a walking baseball encyclopedia. It's incredible the amount of things he remembers. I can't even tell you what I had for lunch today. And he can recall, like, a specific pitch count from 40 years ago. It's absolutely incredible. Um, so I guess I might, I would probably have to say him. Uh, I'll get back to you if I think of someone else. But it's probably him. Uh nice to have a hall of famer <laughs> that is pretty awesome um i i, I worked on the tarp crew in 2012 i don't know if you know that knew that about me or not but you know kind of like you i was able to call camden yards my office essentially which was which was awesome that was you know i was a little too young to remember the 96 and 97 teams so 2012 was the first season in my lifetime that i could remember the orioles you know being good and actually going on a playoff run and, and being competitive and that was just a really fun season but I ended up with Manny Machado's phone number. Um, one of the full-time guys had uh, clubhouse access. And I guess it was shortly after Machado was called up and his, his number was tacked on the, uh, I guess, cork board back in the clubhouse. And, and my buddy was back there and took a picture of it and was like, yo, here's here's Manny Machado's phone number. So I, I, I'm sure I wasn't supposed to have it, but I ended up with it. And I actually sent him an eight ball request at one point a few years back, but he uh, he left me on red. He didn't, he didn't answer that one, unfortunately, but I gave it a shot. <laughs> I tried. You know what? You're probably blocked forever, but there was an attempt. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I went for it at least. Um, now, my last thing for you, you mentioned the shutdown, um, and that was, you know, everything got canceled, sports were put on hold, and we didn't really know how long that was going to last. And everyone was kind of in limbo for a while. How did that change things on the social side of things for you, you know, working in, in that industry? And was it as much of a waiting game for you and, and, really for the, the sports social media industry as it was for the rest of the sports world? It was really tough. I So I was in San Francisco then. I'm actually back in Maryland right now, but I was there then. And uh, as you may know, San Francisco is ridiculously expensive. It's crazy. So I lived in a, like, a tiny apartment, and my bedroom was 10 feet by 10 feet. So I just stared at four white walls all day and, like, wished for sports to come back. Um, but they did. So I'm much happier now, but it was really tough. And I think it just made us have to be a lot more creative. Like we were spending a lot of time getting fans thoughts on like the good old days and their top sports moments and different conversation starters while also sort of balancing the fine act of everything that is going on in this country. That was a lot more serious at the time, social justice issues, protests, things like that. So it was definitely a really challenging time of my career. And I would say that we're not out of it yet. But it um, as as challenging as it was, I grew a lot during that time, um, just in how I think and approach things. And so I would say like, I wouldn't trade it. But I mean, I would the alternative would be like, everything is fine. And we have sports and we're all happy. But you know, it was still a good learning experience. Yeah, it was a learning experience for sure. And, um, you know, I, like everyone else, we're all very excited that, you know, we've been able to at least return to some semblance of normalcy in the sports world. You know, the baseball season was shortened to 60 games. 
NFL games are being postponed because players are testing positive for COVID. But, you know, the NBA and NHL, had they did it right. They had zero positive tests in the bubble. They were able to complete their seasons and declare champions. So, uh, so that was really cool to see, at least. I would have liked to see in the playoffs um, when they did those first. Okay, 16 teams is too much. And I know you did not ask me about this. But that first day of the wild card, or I, it's kind of weird that they call it the wild card because everyone played. But it was the closest thing I'll ever see in baseball to March Madness. It was so much fun. So I would like to see more of that in the future. It could happen in a bubble type of environment where they just do tournament style all day. I'm all in. Even if like things are more back to normal, give me that. Let me sit in front of my TV from 11 a.m. till midnight and watch baseball. It was That was really fun. No doubt. I mean, games were starting, first pitches were an hour apart from each other for the majority of that day. And, you know, it was it was kind of weird as the playoffs went on, you know, watching you know, the Yankees and Rays play in San Diego while the Padres were playing in Texas and Houston was playing somewhere else. It was just this whole convoluted thing. But, you know, like you said, that, that first day of, of the wild card round was, was very much like March Madness, you know. And um, I don't know about you, but that's when I'm at my happiest is when I can just sit in front of the TV and and consume as much baseball as, as I can possibly tolerate, which I haven't found that limit yet. Exactly. Well, Olivia, thank you so much for joining me. I really do appreciate it. Uh, digiting market... Let me try that again. You spent a lot of good years at Masson. Now you're the digiting market... <laughs> I'm struggling with that. I honestly think that I'm just going to change my title. So it's fine. It's hard to get out. I don't know why. It's like Rio Ruiz. I, I think that I'm just going to change my LinkedIn when I get off of this call and just roll with it. It's fine. Yeah, might as well. All right, third time's a charm. Digital Marketing Manager at The Athletic. There we go. I got it. Olivia, thank you so much for taking the time. Like I said, I, I really, really do appreciate it. It was great finally meeting you face-to-face over Skype. But uh, I wish you continued success in the sports world and in the social media industry. Thanks so much. We'll have to catch a game in real life when things are back to normal. But thanks for having me. It was fun. You bet. Hopefully we'll get to do that uh, relatively soon. Yeah. And there we have it. Thank you all for listening to episode three of Give That Fan a podcast. That was Olivia Withright. Next week on the show, we will have CBS NFL insider Jason LaCanfora, also co-host of Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan with Ken Weinman. Going to talk some Orioles baseball, get into some things. It's going to be a good time, and uh, I'm very excited, like I've said before, uh, for what the show is going to bring you guys in the coming weeks. Uh, so as always, I'm your host, Ryan Blake. You can follow me on Twitter at RyeGuyBlake, at OriolesFanProds with a Z, because I thought that was cool when I created the account in high school. And thank you, as always, to Derek and Tony at Utah Street Report for hosting the show. And we'll see you next week.